This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently and we get to know them in a different way. The best advice that he had ever given me was it's okay to fail. And he, he, he protected me in the fact that if I failed, that that someone or somebody or something would help me get out of that, even if that person is just myself. Uh, countless times through the last 30 years of owning my own business, that has been the case. I have failed many, many times. And as long as you fail and you just don't give up, you'll succeed. And that has been the case every time. And I've managed to make a, a very comfortable living over the last 30 years in business. And he's been right. I've failed many times. I've failed my way right to success. Today we have Doug Sandler, possibly the nicest guy in business. He's the author of Nice Guys Finish First and host of Nice Guys on Business with over 1 million downloads. And now he's being nice to entrepreneurs all over the world, growing their podcast with turnkey podcasting. Doug, I am pumped for the show because we're speaking the same language. So welcome to Business Done Differently. I feel I feel a little bit short. I don't I don't have my yellow tuxedo on. I, I wore this I wore this I don't know if you call this pattern gingham, <laughs> what you call it, but I'm, I, I I don't know. I feel I feel a little ill prepared. I should have I should have put on my I have my purple blue my purple and blue tux from my from my prom. Do you honestly have a purple and blue tux? It was a it was a light blue tux. I wish I could. Maybe I can find a uh, a copy of me renting a um, a replica of that tux for a Halloween party that I went to a couple of years ago, and it was the exact like powder blue tux with the ruffled shirt, just like the one you're wearing right now. And um, and I felt I felt a little bit good at the time, and then looking back, I'm thinking. What the hell were you doing wearing that? But that was that was the fashion. I mean, I could ask you the same question, but obviously it's it's easy now. I mean, it's just a it's a great attention. No, getter. I feel it every day when I go through TSA at the airport wearing this thing. Just the looks and the confusion. So I'm glad that you went through it for at least one day. But uh, <laughs> outstanding. You haven't had anyone that's worn a tuxedo like this. So this is a great start. But I want to open with a start me up section. How did you become the nice guy? and build your brand. Very fascinated by this. Well, my uh, I, I got to go by, go back to the tender age of six years old. I can remember leaving my house and my mom always used to say to me, Dougie, be nice. I mean, that was literally the start of, of, a, of an attitude that really has lasted my entire life. When somebody tells you enough times that you will get more things in life out of being nice than being a jerk, then um, you start to believe it. And at six years old, you're very, um, you know, pliable. So uh, I would just leave the house thinking the only way for me to be to be at all. I mean, maybe not manic. I, I probably tend to be a little bit more on the manic side at times. But uh, being nice, I mean, geez, is a way to, to build a business. It really is a great way to uh, to show your customer service skill set by being a nice guy. And, and it sounds so obvious, and but that's something that I'm so fascinated about. It's customer service because so many companies aren't doing it well. So I want to go into a segment called Now That's What I Call Service. I'd love to know some things that you have done when building your brand from, you know, building the book, now the podcast. What are some things that you do that, you know, get some great customer service? All right. So here, if anybody in your community is about to start taking notes, this is the time. This is the time when I do my presentation. I say I'm about to deliver to you as much rocket science as I possibly can as a part of my program. Here it is. Here's how you deliver great customer service. Number one, return your phone calls. Okay, so you got that one. You got that one down. You wrote that one down, right? Um, 
Return your emails. That's number two. Really simple one. It's one that sim- people just seem to screw up. So you're, you're catching the trend. Return your calls. Return your emails. Be on time every time. Mm-hmm. So be on time every time. It's amazing. Overpromise and underdeliver has got to stop. Exceed expectations has got to start. If you're not exceeding your customer's expectations, you don't deserve to have them as a customer. And the one that kind of sets us aside, the one that probably puts you aside from everybody else that's your competition it's communicate effectively with your customers at a level that they understand. So reach out and share the message with them. Reach out to them, communicate with them. Those five steps, if you just employ them, and no matter what the business, no matter if you're a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist or a guy that sells turnkey podcast services, those five things will be the things that will set you apart from your competition. Now, it sounds so obvious, but I, I need a deep dive in this before we move on to the other segments. Because you said, you know, it's time to exceed expectations every time. I, I feel like sometimes when you say you're exceeding expectations, you're not. What are some things that you've practically done with your business to exceed expectations? What we try to do on a daily basis is return our phone calls, our emails, our you know, it's be on time every time and give our customers not just what they want, but more than what they want. I, I, I want to say this from the heart because I, I want to say this because it's so raw and new to me. We got a complaint from a customer yesterday. And when I get a complaint from a customer yesterday about not exceeding their expectations, not even meeting their expectations, it, it goes right to my heart and it makes me feel like I can't believe that I even have, I don't even deserve to have a company when something like that happens. When you don't take customer complaints to heart, you don't really have a business. So you just have something that's making you money. Mm-hmm. If you're passionate about what you do, you don't want anybody to say anything negative about it, even if what they're saying is not right. Mm-hmm. So it, in my mind, because it happened so recently, I want to do everything I can to try to figure out and fix, fix the problem. And um, sometimes you can't, Sometimes you can't fulfill. I, I wish I could fulfill everybody's needs, but sometimes you screw up. And you know, one of the other philosophies that I have in business is mistakes are bound to happen. It's what happens next that really counts. Mm. So for me, it's all about what am I doing now to resolve this customer's problem that um, that I wasn't doing before. And maybe it's a wake up call for me that I need to change a system or put something new in place to fix what I've done. Mm-hmm. I love Doug. How you, you've kept it simple and it sounds so obvious, but I'm always fascinated. I mean, obviously you're talking to a guy in a yellow tuxedo. So are there, are there things that have happened either to you, like where you've been wowed? Like just like, I, I call this segment now, that's what I call surface. Cause I'm just blown away by people that, wow, you know, you hear the Ritz Carlton stories, the Nor- Nordstrom stories, anything that's happened to you that you will really remember from an unbelievable service experience. Yeah, from a sus- customer service experience, I love when I am ex- when I have given or I am getting wow experience as well from a from a uh, from a restaurant or from a service organization. For example, I went in uh, um, probably about a month ago now, and I went into a restaurant and I had a spot that was on my pants that was caused by the the waiter. I was going to theater. I was wearing I was wearing my good pants that day. <laughs> Understand? I only have one pair of good pants, and a little drop of oil got on it, and I got a little bit. Like, you know, hey, did you realize that you just did this? And he didn't he didn't really follow up the way that I thought he should. But the general manager of the restaurant went above and beyond picking up the pants from my house, delivering the pants to the cleaners, getting them back. In addition to fixing the pants, giving me a $50 gift card to the restaurant. That's what I call exceeding expectations. It's the wow. it's the call that a client sends gives me at at um, at six thirty or seven o'clock at night, or maybe even eleven o'clock at night, that I respond to immediately because I have access to my phone at all times, and if I can deliver the call back to them or answer the question for them, 
then why not do that? It's it's those kind of things that exceed expectations for me is that delivering the above and beyond customer service. I love it. And I think it's fascinating because you hear so many different stories. I mean, I heard recently the Walmart CEO never replies to emails because people can figure it out themselves. And he learns, teaches people to learn themselves. But then you hear the side, you got to be always responsive. My question to you is, how do you balance that, Doug? You know, I feel like sometimes people, I talk about this in my book about firefighter fatigue, that you're constantly putting up fires. If you get 100 emails a day, how can you actually have your own you know, objectives and plans while trying to respond to everybody? What do you do to make to offset that? Well, I've, I've uh, practiced the fine art of saying no. And not to my, not when I'm saying say no to my customers is not no, I can't do that. But practicing delegation is so important. You know, 2018, we set a couple of really strict goals with our with our company and goal number one, and we have a small team, we're only a team of six over here, but uh, we set goals that we are only going to work in our sphere of um, uh, genius, let's call it. So uh, I know I do a good job with building relationships um, and selling. Those are the things that I'm going to focus on. I'm going to stay out of operations. I'm going to stay out of accounting. I'm going to stay out of systems. I'm going to stay out of support. I'm going to stay out of all the things that I do right now, thinking I'm helping, but ultimately keeping me out of customer, uh, keeping me out of sales and um, and uh, and growing relationships. And for me. If we all stay within our sphere of genius, you're going to do a much better job and you're going to enjoy doing what you do so much more. I love it. And in relationships, you know, you talk about this in your keynote and also listeners, he's got a great ebook out providing great customer service, uh, creating an exceptional customer experience. And that's on your website too, right, Doug? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they can just go to DougSandler.com for that. Which is awesome. But you talk a lot about relationships. You mentioned it here. What do you do? That's your sphere of genius. How do you grow relationships? And what are you doing? I mean, obviously, it sounds obvious. You need to have great relationships to build a business. But what are some tactics you're using to build relationships? Well, we have it in front of us every day, and most people don't. Most people use it as a as a social tool, and that is social media. And what I would tell you is, if you're growing your business through social media, or you're promoting your business through social media, instead of using it as a broadcasting platform, use it as an engagement tool. Mm. Um, ultimately, what it comes down to, especially for me, for on Twitter, because Twitter is a very simple. It used to be 140 characters, now 280 characters worth of of text. For me, engaging people 140 characters at a time kind of falls in line with my my uh, my ADD isk ask mentality, which is I can never focus on anything for very long. So if you focus on building relationships through social media and engagement and building a community that way, one at a time, rather than I want to have a hundred thousand followers, doesn't matter. You don't need a hundred thousand followers. If you have twenty followers that are really engaged you'll be doing really well with your business. Mm. So just stay engaged with your community. Social media is a great way to do that. I love it. All right, our last segment now in the customer service segment of this show, we're going to have a customer service showdown. You and me, oh, okay? Ready. Let's do it. We're going to okay. have some fun with this. I'm going to name a company or a type of company, and you need to – oh, we got some whistling going on. I, I want you I was, to – I was doing my wet, my Western little uh, thing. Okay. <laughs> it was going to be a showdown. Oh, I, I was ready. I'm ready. I love it. So I'm going to name a company, and you say how you would deliver amazing, nice guy customer service, all right? Oh, boy. And then you, okay. you can throw one back at me, all right? Some things that would stand out. You're a mattress company. What would you do? Oh, if I'm a mattress company, I would give people um, free night. I would do like sleepover parties. I would do pajama parties at the store. <laughs> All right. That would get really weird and really funny. But yeah, I love it. All right. Beautiful. Now you can throw one at me. Okay. Let's see. Um, a gas station that also has a convenience um, like restaurant in it. Oh, all right. So like the, the, the sheets in there. Okay. All right. Oh, so 
I love that. I heard about this gas station that actually treats it like a um, NASCAR pit stop, where they literally, <laughs> you know, you have people set up and they sprint to your car and they start working on that. Like again, that's wow service. So I would do that. But if you could do that also, but have someone delivering food to you, like in the fastest possible way. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I think about speed. Every business is in the time business, and how can you actually you know, give people more time and make it better? So, uh, all right, that's what I would do. All right, I'm gonna throw one more to you. An antique yeah. store. Antique store. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you um, you have a category of your of your store for delivering great service. You will actually have a service that you can go out to somebody's house, determine what antiques they actually have that they may not realize that they have, give them the price that you think that you're going to get from uh, from eBay, and deliver that in a spreadsheet back to them, and saying if you allow us to come in and help you move some of these antiques, we'll do it for you, create it, and no surcharge because we're doing the eBay thing. It makes it easier for the store because they actually have a, a um, instead of setting it up in consignment in a location they're actually doing it right from the home it gives them an opportunity to go out and make a make a customer and build a relationship with it, with that customer i love it it sounds like you've operated many antique stores i don't know <laughs> it sounds like i'm thinking what would i like i have a whole bunch of shit in my house maybe if i get rid of it it'd be great Perfect. all right you can throw one back at me and we'll end the customer service showdown Okay, great. Um, we, uh, let's see. The Apple Store trying to figure out how you don't need an appointment to go in there. So, what can Apple do to wow their customers? Where you don't need an wait. So, Apple if Apple doesn't have an appointment. You say, "What's going on with Apple?" I'm confused. I just I just want to be able to go into Apple without feeling like I need to have an appointment to go in there. Every time I feel I feel like Apple is in it. I love Apple products, but I feel like it's an elitist type of store where unless I really know what I want before I go in there, I don't really feel quite comfortable going in there without being a little insecure about what I'm doing in there. <laughs> I, I think I would look at the, the experience before you go to Apple. Like, can you have more fun things for people to do? Like, literally, all right, I don't have an appointment, but, you know, how can I play with all the new gadgets, gizmos, and then be able to have a time to go in? So, you know, I'd look at the first step. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I saw a video about this guy that literally brought a goat into Apple, Mark Malkoff. He brought a goat into Apple. He had a romantic date into Apple. He went as Darth Vader into Apple. He did all <laughs> these challenges, and Apple let him do all of it. And uh, I, I think Apple's pretty good at customer service, but uh, all right, I like that. That is the That's customer good. service showdown. Doug, I'm going to give you the points on that one. You won that one, all right? Wow, okay. <laughs> First time I've won anything extra. That's great. <laughs> all right, that is customer service and uh, obviously one of your expertise, but I know podcasting has really changed. So we're going to our next segment into podcasting, and we're going to start this with different strokes. How do you think about podcasts differently than everyone else, Doug? Podcasting I use as a lead generation and business development tool, and I think oftentimes people use it as a broadcasting opportunity to present their message to the world, and I look at it from, instead of from the guest perspective, I look at it from the host perspective. If I'm a host, I'm actually able to qualify guests before they come on my show, not as to whether they have a great message. Many people have a great and unique a unique message because it's them and it's very unique to them, but I look at it and I pre-qualify people before they even come on my show as to whether I think that they're going to fit into the level of service and the type of service that I can actually offer. So the people that that present well on my show are great, but they're great at presenting their message, but they're also potentially great at being a, a customer of mine. So uh, my close ratio is much higher with an interview-based show, and most people don't look at podcasting as a way to develop business other than just, I'm going to present my message to your audience, and I'm going to get business as a result of that. I'd rather deal one-on-one -on -one with my interview guest rather than my audience. All right, so it's, so it's clear for our listeners. Let's go into the segment Pitch Perfect. I want you to kind of give a pitch of what your business does with podcasts. What do you teach and offer? 
Sure. Well, what we're teaching is we go from concept to launch. We teach people how to not only develop their message properly and present it to an audience, but how to use their podcast as a guest management tool to develop leads for their business. It is simply, simply put, it is an interview-based selling method. Podcasting is, I, I don't even care if, I mean, we've been very fortunate. We have 1.4 million people that have listened to our show over the last three years, and that is wonderful. However, I can't tell you one person in my show that I've sold, in my audience that I've sold anything to. But we've had 450 guests that have come on our show and dozens of them have become our clients because that's where we're focused. We're focused on the people that are coming on our show, giving them the best quality experience that they can possibly have and building it into our process so that they become our clients rather than the audience. That's great. Now, can you give the SparkNotes version? If you have someone that wants to start a podcast for their business, I, I, obviously it makes sense for you and a lot of these ones that are helping build podcasts because anyone that's building needs help building it and making it better. But what about someone that's not building a podcast? What if they're Great. just a service Great. company? Give well, if they're a service-based company, if they're a consultant, and let's say they're selling sales training to to customers, well, who would you want if you're a sales if you're a sales trainer? Who would you want to come on your show? Well, let's look at it. You'd look, want senior VPs of sales. You'd want uh, you'd want head of HR. You'd want a CEO. If it's a smaller organization, you want the founder of the organization. So again, instead of focusing on the audience, you're focused on your guest and who that get who that sales trainer as a podcast host could bring on their show to facilitate more customers. I love it. I'm going to challenge you, and this this may be out of your niche. But what if you're a restaurant? Okay, terrific. Well, if you're a restaurant, who? What are you trying to do? Like, what are you offering? If you are, if you're offering an enterprise-wide um, restaurant services or catering, who would you want to talk to? You'd want to talk to meeting planners. You'd want to talk to people that are head of organizations that are running events. You'd want to talk to people that run facilities. You'd want to talk to people that run venues, so that if they're bringing their their uh, the, your food into their into their service, there's there's always an unlimited amount of opportunity. You just have to focus on it. I'm not looking to sell chicken nuggets. Yeah. You know, I'm going to sell chicken nuggets to my audience. What I'm looking to do is sell catering to hundreds or thousands of people. And I'd rather sell enterprise-wide than make one sale that's only going to be done at the end of that sale. The person eats the chicken nuggets, they might love them. But I want somebody that has hundreds and hundreds of mouths they're trying to feed and, and go through that sale over and over again. So I'm fascinated by this. So are you not actually caring about the listeners? Well, I think that I think your terminology might be a little bit off. Absolutely. <laughs> I care about I care about my community. You're you know nice why? Guy. Because my community feeds my guest list. My community says you need to go on Doug's show because Doug's show is because Doug has real conversations. I don't I, I pardon my expression here. I don't fuck around with my guests. I mean, what it comes down to is this. I am genuinely saying to my guests, I care about your message. I care about selling the products and services that you offer. And they might move some of the products and services to my audience. Mm. But what I care most about is developing a relationship with that with that guest because ultimately they are going to become part of my network. Now, they may or may not become a customer, but I don't look just for customers. I look for three, three kinds of people that come on my show. One, somebody that's got a great message, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Second, somebody that can build my ego, somebody that can be a thought influencer or a leader in my industry that can help me build my audience. Third, somebody that can either buy my products directly or refer me to somebody that's gonna buy my products. The perfect storm is somebody that fits all three of those categories. Mm -hmm. Ultimately though, what ends up happening is probably two of those categories are covered. If I meet the needs of the guests coming on the show, I'm at the same time meeting the needs of our audience. Now, here's what's happened over the course of the last three years of running this show that I've, we've discovered. It took us 16, 17 months to build an audience of 20,000 downloads, and that was great. Once we took our focus off our audience and put our focus on our guests and really developed the relationship with our guests, we went from 20,000 to 1.4 million. 
The proof is in our show. It's, I don't have to go and say I focus, I'm not focused on my audience. My audience is doing just fine. My yeah. guests, when I treat them well, my audience loves me even more, and they love the guests even more, which is ultimately what we're looking to do. Interesting. So even service-based, if you focus on just doing a great, building a great relationship, having a great conversation with your guest, then all of a sudden the listeners take care of itself. The listeners absolutely will take care of their, themselves. And the, the interesting part about it is, Jesse, what was really great about it, when we were 16 months in and hadn't made a cent from our podcast, 17 months in, hadn't made a cent from our podcast, and we stopped focusing so hard on bringing in advertisers and sponsors and looking for Patreon and doing affiliate links and everything that everybody does when they have a podcast and 99% of podcasts don't make a sense. Mm. So for us, we looked at it and we said, what are we doing wrong? How can we change this? How can we change the, the entire environment so that we are completely looking at things in a different way? And we said, let's try this. Let's focus instead of on our audience, let's focus on our guests. And since then, it has become hundreds of thousands of dollars of income for our podcast and only as a result of focusing on the right person in this equation. So if you were to go, if this segment was Time Machine and you were to go back, you would have dramatic, you would have done that change right away because you started as, right nice, away. Yeah, you started as nice guys on business. It was the same concept, but right. then what was the change was just now we're going to go all into the, the, the person that we're bringing on. Right. right. So, so it's interesting. When we started Nice Guys on Business podcast in in uh, two thousand February of two thousand and fifteen, what we did was we focused on our audience. We said we did exactly what you said. Let's put ourselves in the time machine. If we had to go reinvent, how would we do it? Let's create another podcast and actually test this theory out. So, we created another podcast called the BizWiz Podcast. We only did one season of the podcast, which just just ended. We did forty episodes. One season, we played them all consecutively, back to back to back, forty episodes. Of those 40, we converted seven to clients, seven to clients. We have made over $40,000 from that podcast, and we have just aired in the last 30 days the first episode. Wow. So this theory and practice, somebody would say, well, you have a big audience. Of course you're going to grow your business. You know what? Fucking that is not it. What's it is that we understand what we did wrong the first time. We're continuing to build nice guys because it's a great it's a great channel. It's a great platform to show to present our message. Mm -hmm. But this BizWiz podcast, which is which is so formulaic, but it, it's so it's such a testament to the system works. Here's the other way that we've done it. We don't have to we don't have to rely upon 600 episodes. How about 40 in a podcast that's put, been put together in the last 30 days that we have made more than most podcasters will make an entire lifetime on their show. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. I mean, it makes sense why you're so successful. I, I, I'm still trying to figure it out, though, and, and because I look at, I'm going to go a little personal here into sports teams, Doug. You know, there's sports teams all over that they just put out their own content about their team and what they're doing. Now, we're kind of a circus, obviously. You know, it's, a, it's crazy entertainment. How could a sports team use a podcast? Because right now, they just get interview their players and their coaches, and it's, it's pretty boring, if you ask me. How could they use it to grow and monetize? I mean, you talked about the restaurant, but I'd love to see your thought process here. Okay, so interestingly enough, it may not work for them. It, it may <laughs> yeah. not. You know, I tell people, what's, what is your offering? If they come back to me with, I have a $5 offering, and I'll say, okay, let's figure out, and we're going to have to work too hard to get too many people on your get, on your show in order to, to make the model that I have set up work. So let's figure out a different plan. Can we strategize together about coming up with another product or service mm. so that you can offer something that's at a slight, you know, the best, the best dollar amount products that work for us or services that work is something between $5,000 to $50,000 because it's a relationship-based sale and it's a much easier sale to make than a $200 sale or a $5 sale. The $5 sales, let your audience do that. Let them buy that. 
The $5,000 to $10,000 to $20,000 sale, let me work on your guest list through our guest management program to help you develop that. Okay. And that's where the relationships come in because you're building a long-term relationship. Someone will continually monetize. That makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And what we what we do as a part of our concept to launch, we actually, we actually help them develop that product or service. So we're not just a, you know, podcast production is such a, um, a, a challenging um, category to fit in because we really are business consultants. But there's so many business consultants out there, it's hard to be able to say, well, I'm a business consultant and I'm going to help you b- grow your business. Well, that sounds like BS. But if I say I go from concept to launch and help you build a unique marketing tool that's going to help you move products and services through podcasting, people are like, oh, that I, under- I see that. I see podcasting. Business consultant, bullshit. Podcasting, <laughs> I get it now. So yeah. that's well, that's why we've done it in this, with this angle. And podcast has been so brilliant because it, it's it's also an ego stroke for so many people because they get to be on shows, they get to be on radio, they get to be famous. So it's much easier to get guests in, in the relationship. You're speeding it up faster than you've ever sped it up. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, this is great on podcasting. Now we're going to get into some crazy segments, Doug, because I don't like to keep anything normal. All right. You're looking at me in a yellow tuxedo. So we're going to get <laughs> weird. Uh, this is the find your yellow tux lightning rounds. And I'm fascinated on how successful people stand out. And in the book, I talk about the mirror moment. And it's a moment where really you go back and you realize, I was so frustrated about something in my business, you know, that I had to change. And throughout you growing your businesses, was there a mirror moment that you had said, you know what, I'm going to change everything and go in a different direction? Yeah, it was um, it was March of 2013. I met with my financial planner. I can actually remember the meeting quite vividly. And he said, and I've spent the last 30 years, Jesse, I don't know if you know this part about me, but I spent the last 30 years as a as a DJ, you know, as a mobile DJ. And I built an entertainment business and the business has done really well. But the problem was that I did not see myself carrying this through to retirement. Um, I was 47 at the time. I'm 53 now. And I just said, I don't see this being what I retire from. I need to create a bigger impact in life other than being a, a guy doing the cha-cha slide or thriller in the front of the dance floor at bar mitzvah. So for me, I looked at it and just said, we've got to figure out what is the next, what is the next step. And he just gave me the, gave me the wake up call, look for opportunity. Six months later at a, at a conference, an industry conference, I met a guy named Ryan Estes. Ryan Estes was a professional speaker. I was asking him about how to become a professional speaker turned into, and I know this is the lightning round, so I apologize. No, no, this is great. This is great. No. The reality of that was my conversation with Ryan led me to somebody else named Jane Atkinson who helped me develop my message and my plan, uh, who helped lead me to a guy named Rob Jollis to write a book. Uh, I needed a platform to sell my book. That platform became the Nice Guys on Business podcast. The rest is history, and this has been the sole development tool for all of those things, uh, which ultimately changed into podcast production because I'd much rather make money from my pajamas than having to fly on a plane to go to San Diego to um, to speak at a conference for you know, it's great money to be a speaker, and it seems like it's a really cool thing, but that's a lot of traveling, and I don't want to travel 70. I have a new marriage. I don't want to lose that because I've been traveling 75 or 100 times a year, wow. you know, away from my wife. Wow, I love it. Now, are you still DJing at all? Yeah, and I still DJ. Now, fortunately, I don't have to do 110 jobs, which which was my busiest years, 110 jobs a year. And I think last year I did 40-something jobs, and my goal this year is to do 30 the next year after that. We have bookings into 2020 right now, so my, hopefully my – my goal is to is to start to phase out of that or be a lot more selective or get higher paid gigs from that and and still work my Saturdays. Fortunately, it does not uh, interfere with my my speaking or my podcasting business at all. Love it. Side note, what makes you stand out as a DJ? 
Customer service. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's all, you know, I joke around. I'm a 50, now I'm a 53 year old guy <laughs> compete with a guy, you know, I'm competing in a world with guys like Ish, Spots, Tigger, Fresh, Glide. <laughs> That's my competition. And I don't know if you can see it behind me, but I'm DJ Doug. Yes. I don't know if you can see it on the, but that, as a guy named DJ Doug at 53 years old competing against 20 somethings, I don't stand a chance. <laughs> and I tell my clients that, you know, I'm very upfront and honest. I said, listen, here's what these guys bring. They're going to bring four hours of amazing, amazing, amazing entertainment to you. And I really feel I, I bring great entertainment to you also. Love. But I said, you have a year and a half between now and your function. Are you looking for a relationship that's going to help you build and understand what your party is so that when you get to party day, you're not nervous and you're anxiety free? Or do you want somebody that you're trying to chase down and track down on the phone like you're going to do with these 20 somethings? Yeah. I said, either way you go is fine. But I'm telling you, I'm going to deliver a year and a half of service where you're going to get four hours of service from my competition. Love it. Stand out with customer service. Now, you mentioned a few a second ago, but small bets. I feel like anyone that gets becomes successful, they've taken small bets in their life. Are there other ones that really stand out? You're like, this was a small bet, didn't cost much, but it really worked out successfully. Oh, boy. Um, I would say this entire turnkey podcast business was a was a small bet gone horribly right. You know, it's <laughs> it's really interesting. Every step that we've take, taken along the way, when we switched from just being regular podcast production company to a, a company focused just on guest management and, and building that, we didn't realize how much of an impact. But Ian, as a podcaster, I say to you, have you ever heard of a company that does it, a podcast that does it the way that we do it? No. No. So, I mean, it's a very unique, interesting service. I know there are other interview-based companies that, that sell production services, but we feel like the fine line between what we do with business development and, uh, and production is really unique in the niche that we're, that we're in. So we feel like we really have something that's pretty cool. And, and better isn't different, only is, is different. And it sounds like right. you're the only one, so the success. So, crazy train. I love this segment. Are there Ozzy things? Osbourne, baby? Go. Yes. Oh, yeah. You see, you, I just go with music. We're gonna be putting the music into this, so just be ready. Okay. Doug. Um, ready. Are there some things that you've done in your business that people would say, Doug's absolutely crazy? Wow. Uh, am I absolutely crazy? I am like the most conservative guy that you could possibly, uh, possibly imagine. But let's throw this out. Okay. So um, I have been known in in the um, in the mobile DJ world as the guy that could play Simon Says like nobody else. I brought that Simon Says game to the corporate market as a part of my professional speaking. And somebody said to me, or many people have said to me, how do you play Simon Says in a, in like, for the Marriott? You know, the Marriott has a, has a conference a few years ago. They have 5,000 people. They said they give me six minutes. I said, this is terrific. Six minutes I can play Simon Says. He says, how are you going to get 5,000 people out in six minutes? I said, you've given me five more minutes than I actually need. So I don't know what I'm going to do for the other five minutes. <laughs> so I would say Simon Says in a corporate world, in a fun, really fun way, um, definitely a, something very unique that most people would never even attempt to do. Oh, love that. That is awesome. All right, final question on the Find Your Yellow Tux round, the Hello World moment. Now, I love P.T. Barnum. He was unbelievable at creating attention. Have you done, is there a moment that you've created a lot of attention with your brand? Like what, is there a moment that stands out for you? Wow. Okay. Uh, is there a moment that would stand out that I've created a lot of attention? I really, you know, for me, the the biggest thing that I've done is create this uh, this this whole new career out of nice guys. I mean, most people really feel like nice is a sign of weakness, and nice is one of those character flaws that you have, and nice makes you a yes man. I really do feel like. Um, being nice has differentiated me from, you know, catching people in the act of doing something right as opposed to catching them in the act of doing something wrong. I feel like this nice moniker that I wear 
Um, I wear it proudly. I have no issue with being nice. And um, if somebody doesn't, you know, feels like it's a sign of weakness, and that's not somebody that I really need to have in my network anyway. So I, I think I'm, 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 uh, I'm hesitant to, to say there's something that I've done that's yellow tux. I mean, you own that and you work that pretty well. And I'm, I'm blanking on something that, that would be my yellow tux. Well, no, but you own nice. And you think of people like Google owns the word search. You own the word nice. I mean, people start to think of you with nice. You're putting it all over your brand. Shep Hyken owns the word amazing. He's using that in everything right. he does. I had him on the show. You know, I think it's great. So that maybe is your hello world moment. You know, putting you're owning the word nice, and which is a big word. So uh, I, I love that. I love that. All right. I want to go to stand out or bust here. Aha. This is, I'm going to have a minute or two to discover what makes you stand out. You said you were uh, recently married, correct? Is that what I heard? Yep, yep, right. exactly. If your wife were to describe you in one sentence, what would she say? Oh, gosh. Funny and a nerd. <laughs> Funny and a nerd. Okay, I don't know how much I can work with that. On a Saturday morning with nothing to do, what do you want to do? Oh, wow. I can't tell you the last Saturday morning I've had nothing to do. That's generally my, my day that I'm getting ready for my parties. Um, I love uh, sitting in front of Netflix and watching a watching an old movie. I'm a big rom-com fan, so I'll watch Sleepless in Seattle or something like that. Uh, yeah, so for me, I, I'd, love, I'd love a Saturday morning with the, uh, with the paper and cup of coffee and a movie. Love it. All right. And what about you said you have a small team of six. What, do you, what would your work colleagues, you know, what would they say you're the best at? Uh, following through on everything that I say that I'm going to do. Do what you say you're going to do. All right. So here, through my scientific study here, this is how right. you stand out. You are a hopeless romantic who just likes having fun, but you keep it, you're not too over the top with everything, but you make things happen. How's that? Yeah, that's, to right. that you, that's totally me. That's, that's really good how you did that. How did you do that? <laughs> uh, my, scientific, my scientific study. Basically, oh, I, I, just I just repeated what you said in a different way. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. So I'll move on to the last few segments here. Uh, I want to go into tool time. Uh, so I'm always fascinated by people that are successful. Is there a tool that you have in your business toolbox that's really helped you be successful? Other than nice relationships, is there actually an actual tool? Uh, technology tool. There's a there's a bunch of them. I would say that I've gotten a lot out of uh, Google Drive. I really, really love Google Drive. Gotten a lot out of also uh, ZenCaster. That was and Ringer. Those are our two uh, podcasting recording platforms. Um, I never realized how essential Zoom or Skype would be with the video content that we're able to provide. But a lot of face to face meetings can be done um, that way. Um, let me think. I'm looking through my my uh, little uh, my little uh, menu bar at the bottom of my computer. Um, I could not deal without my cell phone. Jeez, my smartphone is my office on the go. And for me, it's always right in front of me. It's it seems to be always right there. And at a moment's notice, you know, I can respond to email. So um, drive for sure would be the best th the best thing that's happened to me because I can share so many documents. I know it's so simple, but it is it is one of those things that you just need to be able to use properly. Outstanding. All right, Doug, time for the favorites. What is the favorite part of your morning routine? Oh, my coffee with my wife. Coffee with wife. Awesome. Yeah. How yeah. about favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Well, I do this in the morning and I do this in the evening. I do 10 minutes of meditation. Um, had some issues with anxiety a few years ago. Meditation came into my life and completely reversed that uh, for me. So 10 minutes morning, 10 minutes night, I know it's the perfect. And, and then don't look at your phone after that. So at night, once you meditate, that is the, that is the end of your, of your technology at that point. So 10 minutes morning and night. Beautiful. How about a favorite restaurant and why? 
Well, okay. So uh, they fixed my pants quickly, so I got to put them back on the top of the list. I would put Cava, C-A-V-A. I don't know if they're they're nationwide, but they certainly are regional here in this area. I will give uh, Maurizio uh, props for uh, for fixing a situation that had gone pretty wrong, but he had, he had stri- straightened it out and made sure that I was a happy customer. Love it. All right. Uh, favorite business conference? Okay. Oh, this is an easy one too. Okay, so I just recently went to one called the New Media Conference. Um, as a podcaster, I would encourage you to actually check out Steve Olsher and his gang at New Media Conference. He um, he's got a, a show called Reinvention Radio, and cool. uh, got more business from that conference than um, than I think I deserve having. And I'm so grateful to the to customers I've gotten as a result. Awesome, New Media Conference. And then finally, the favorite, a magic moment. What's a moment that stands out that you'll never forget in your life? Okay. So, uh, as I said, I got married uh, almost three years ago, two and a half years ago, um, the, uh, to the woman of my dreams. I mean, I can't imagine um, ever being without my wife. I mean, uh, Danielle is just such an amazing inspiration to me. She's a more motivated, more inspiring, a better business owner, better leader uh, than I think that I could ever be. And just watching her in her, in her wake is just amazing. Um, so, my... My favorite moment is that time when uh, when we were facing each other and there was nobody in the world other than the two of us, and I love that moment. Oh, that's amazing. I feel the same way about my wife, Emily. That's awesome. All right, Doug, final four. These are the final four. We'll finish strong here. What have you done to stand out in business and in life? Uh, I've returned my calls, my emails. <laughs> I've been on time every time. <laughs> I've exceeded expectations and I reach out and communicate with my customers. That's the nice guy 30. It's five steps, five habits, 30 days, easiest thing ever. You know what? We need to take some out of that. The best leaders, the most successful people are always repeatable. They repeat themselves over and over again with what they believe in. So I love that. So I'll ask this next question. You'll probably just repeat yourself. Uh, what advice would you give to someone to stand out in business and in life? <laughs> return your, fa- your calls, return your emails, be on time every time. Exceed expectations, and oh my gosh, just reach out to people that are in your life and communicate with them. Perfect. Those five. All right, come on, give me another one here. Final four, best advice you've ever received. Oh, okay. Well, this is this is a little bit different one. I um I was raised by a guy. Uh, his name is Dave Sandler. He was the founder of Sandler Sales, and um, the best advice that he had ever given me was it's okay to fail, and he he, he protected me in the fact that if I failed. That that someone or somebody or something would help me get out of that, even if that person is just myself. Uh, countless times through the last thirty years of owning my own business, that has been the case. I have failed many, many times, and as long as you fail and you just don't give up, you'll um, you'll you'll succeed. And that has been the case every time. And I've managed to to make a a, a very comfortable living over the last thirty years in business and. He's been right. I've failed many times. I've failed my way right to success. Mm, I love that. I, I don't want to skip to the next one, but is there some failures that have really stood out to you? You know, they 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 become blips on my radar screen. Yeah. I don't even see them. You know, there's probably been a half a dozen failures in this podcasting production business that we just said, oh, that hurt. We won't do that again. Let's just keep moving. If you, A lot of people tend to get um, bogged down in the failure and, and, and let it get to their ego. And, to, and listen, I'm a guy that's, um, what, what's the term self defecating? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I'm as, I'm as, uh, I, I'm as self, I, I'm as critical on, on myself as anybody else can be on themselves. And for me, if you just 
just keep moving. Just keep moving forward. Just be just be understanding. Just don't be so hard on yourself. Just keep moving. And I think the brilliant thing is they all end up being blips on the radar. Every failure ends up being a blip on the radar. So yeah. I love that. So yeah. final final question, the final four. How do you want to be remembered? Oh, well, this again, this is an easy one. I always joke around with uh, with everybody in my family, including my kids. I just want to have those few words that are on whatever that memorial plaque, wherever that is. I'm not sure. I always tell my kids I want my ashes scattered on you know three main uh, um, uh, fly fishing uh, fly fishing streams, one in Alaska, one somewhere in Colorado, probably, and one in the northeast. and but but wherever that memorial plaque lies that has that message about me, I just wanted to say he made me laugh. Mm. Love it. Doug, this was a pleasure. You survived the Business Done Differently <laughs> podcast. We went a lot of different directions, but I'll tell you, it was a pleasure having you. I mean, you're doing amazing things, and it's obvious you can see why you're successful. You care about relationships. You know, we just connected here, and it's, and it's been outstanding. So, you know, where else can people connect with you? You've got a lot to offer. I think that, um, that they have set up through um, – through, uh, um, Interview Valet. I think they have turnkeypodcast.com forward slash yellow. I think that is actually how we have it set up. It's a great so, <laughs> turnkeypodcast.com forward slash yellow. There'll be a little bio info on um, on what we do and how we do it and uh, a little blurb about your show as well. And uh, then you can check out the rest of the site as well. So turnkeypodcast.com forward slash yellow. Excellent. Love what you're doing, Doug. Keep standing out. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you having me on the show and, and it, it really was a, a fun experience. Yes. Hey guys, thanks so much for your attention. Make sure to check out findyouryellowtux.com. I'm giving it away for free, The Secrets of the Yellow Tux Playbook, The Six Secrets to Stand Out, directly from the book, Find Your Yellow Tux. Hope you grab a copy of Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. I appreciate you guys. Until then, stop standing still, start standing out.